from API. This is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. From time to time, we like to respond to some of the questions that have been submitted by listeners and visitors to our website, www.energytomorrow.org. Recently, we've received questions about oil exploration and production, as well as new and traditional fuels. So I've asked two very knowledgeable people to join me in the studio today who can answer these questions. They are Richard Ranger and Al Minato of the American Petroleum Institute. Richard has expertise in oil production, and Al is particularly well-versed in fuels. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, Jane. The first question is, how long does it take for an offshore well to come online? Richard, can you respond to that question? Well, that's a question that, that can lead to a fairly complex answer depending upon where the well is drilled, how far offshore it is, is it drilled in association with production that's been occurring for a long time, or is it a new exploratory well? And I'm going to guess that your listener has asked a question about an exploratory well because the question seems to present itself to us most frequently in the context of new exploration, new areas in in the offshore. And so the actual drilling time will will vary with depth, it will, uh, the, the depth for the drill bit to reach, the water depth at the least location, the, the distance from shore and from infrastructure. But typically, once a rig is on location and drilling offshore, a 15,000-foot deep well, which is a you know three mile three miles deep, but often typical these days of the depths we're drilling, is somewhere between a, a 75-day to 120-day proposition. But that's just for the bit to reach the objective. There's a lot of time required after the, th- that takes place to test the well, to test the formations that the bit has penetrated, to see about their capability of producing oil and gas. Now, you may discover that you have uh, found oil and gas in water, or natural gas in water called paying quantities, but then you've got to make sure you can deliver those products, either the crude oil and or the natural gas um, or gas liquids, to shore. And it's that full field development that can take quite some time. So we have been speaking at API in terms of a timeline of several years from the issuance of a lease. This is, again, for a new prospect. Several years from the issuance of a lease, in some cases, to when the first production reaches the shore, reaches American consumers and markets. And that, again, will vary with distance from shore, depth of water, and in what we call the frontier areas. There are many areas, though, I want to hasten to add, many areas today being drilled in the Gulf of Mexico that are much closer to, store, to shore or in between areas of historic production. And in those cases, it's often as little as a matter of months for uh production from new drilling to be delivered via pipelines uh, to shore. So it can vary all over the map. It has to do with how new, how far, how deep the prospect is. Very good. Well, let's move along to the next question, which is very different. Um, Al, this is for you. Uh, The next question is, what do we use oil for besides vehicles? Perhaps we should start by explaining how oil is used in vehicles first. 
Certainly, Jane. Oil provides about 40% of the energy that Americans consume and about 97% of the transportation fuels. Most people know that from a barrel of oil, we get gasoline for our vehicles, diesel fuel for our trucks, home heating oil, jet fuel, and residual oil, which we use in the large ocean-going vessels. Um, oil also gives us asphalt for our roads and lubricants for our vehicles and our engines. But what most people don't know is that oil also gives us the raw materials for petrochemicals, which are chemical products made from oil. Uh, there are thousands of petrochemicals that play a vital role in our lives. And just to give you an example of some of the common ones, uh, rubbing alcohol, PVC piping, and dry cleaning fluid are three that, that come readily to mind and that people uh, will, will be familiar with. But there are literally thousands of these petrochemical products that make our life much better every day. The person who submitted this question also had a couple of follow-ups, so let me give you those as well. How much oil do we use every day, or perhaps every year, and how much of that comes from wells in the United States? Uh, for the first 10 months of 2009, and that's the mo uh, 2008, that's the most recent statistics, we used on average 14.9 million barrels of oil a day. Uh, however, 67% of that oil is imported, so therefore 4.9 million barrels per day are produced domestically. We get, and I, if I can add to that, we get another two and a quarter, two and a half million barrels a day from Canada. Um, but so, which is our principal, uh, but by no means our only source of imported oil. Richard, that's an excellent segue to a statement that this very same person submitted to the website. Uh, he or she mentioned, I would think with all of the U.S. wells and synthetic oil, we should be able to create enough oil for ourselves. Is that possible? Right now, we don't ask we don't expect that that will be possible but we think that we can significantly increase the production of oil and products from oil for our own use from the resource base that we have we have a substantial amount of our outer continental shelf that up until really last october was off limits to exploration and potential production a, a, i'll call it a potential resource because Again, the fact that it was off limits to exploration had really prevented us for over a generation to really evaluate what that potential might be. We have significant resources in Alaska. Um, we also, and I think it's important for the questioner and the listening audience to understand, we are also a considerable user of natural gas. Natural gas uh, is... Uh, something we use to the tune of about a billion and a half cubic feet per day, there, North America, United States and Canada together, uh, are capable of providing our very gas-dependent economy with uh, close to 95, 96% of the natural gas we require. And that's our cleanest burning fuel, so it's, uh, it's our most efficient fossil fuel. So it's important for us to, to remember in the discussion of oil that it's really a discussion of the resource base for both oil and natural gas. Here's another question that indeed deals with that resource base and with oil exploration and production. It goes like this. How long does it take to put a well in production assuming they need to drill 1,000 feet on land such as North Dakota? 
Jane, that's almost like a grad school question, and I commend the listener. Actually, in North Dakota, the wells that they are drilling have a vertical depth of about 10,000 feet. And then from that point at 10,000 feet below the surface, they actually horizontally extend those wells out between five and 10,000 additional feet. So the well is running like a large L and running horizontally below the surface. Based on the information I was looking at today, actually, range of time for those wells in what is called the Bakken Shale in North Dakota, which has become an increasingly important source of crude oil for the United States, runs somewhere between 45 to 60 days for drilling. Now, that's just to get the drill bit to the end of the well, but the art and and the skill associated with producing oil from the Bakken Shale in North Dakota, as is the case with a great many wells, is in completing the well, in, in readying or preparing the host rock through which the drill bit has passed so that the oil or natural gas can flow most efficiently and most effectively through the well and up into the pipeline network and to the markets and the consumers who need it. And completing those wells, readying them for final production, can run another 30 to 45 days depending upon the conditions of the well. There, but in the period of time drilling has been taking place in North Dakota, the companies working there have been able to learn more as they have drilled more and to gain efficiencies in the technologies they use and in, and in the work they're undertaking to shave a few days off of that time to save a bit of money in drilling and to produce the oil there more efficiently and more effectively. The last question is for you, Al. I am a journalism student at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, and I am currently writing an article on the pros and cons of biofuels. I would like to know Energy Tomorrow's position on incorporating biofuels with petroleum as a source of energy. Well, that's a great question. The oil industry is the nation's largest user of ethanol and a key player in increasing the use of ethanol. The industry is increasing the volume of renewable fuels in America's transportation fuel portfolio and last year used almost 7 billion gallons of ethanol. In December of 2007, Congress passed a significantly increased renewable fuel standard that rises to 36 billion gallons in 2022. We don't have the final numbers for 2008 yet, but I can tell you that almost 70% of all of the gasoline that we produce here in the U.S. contains ethanol. Now, biofuels, including ethanol, are an important resource. Based on government projections of increased future energy demand, we believe that our nation needs all sources of commercially viable energy, as well as a greater commitment to energy security and energy conservation. Biofuels are an important resource as we look to the future. There are, however, some challenges as we integrate biofuels, and in particular ethanol, into our transportation fuels. Most importantly, ethanol contains only about 70% of the energy content of gasoline. So when you operate a vehicle on a product called E85, which is a product that contains 15% gasoline and 85% ethanol, you get about 25 to 30% less miles per gallon with that product. There are also infrastructure hurdles that we have to overcome as we move to higher percentages of ethanol in our fuel. 
However, our members are committed to increasing the use of biofuels as we implement this very challenging renewable fuel standard. Very good. If any of our listeners have questions about energy, please feel free to submit them to our website, www.energytomorrow.org, and we'll be happy to answer them during a podcast. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And Alan Richard, thank you so much for participating in today's installment of Energy Tomorrow Radio. Thank you, Jane. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.